0: Well, it's January, so it's um, snow skiing season, I guess. Uh, it I could be water skiing season, but that'd be stupid. Um, I guess you put on a wetsuit, but how many of you snow ski? Anybody snow ski? Ever been snow skiing? Ever been snow When you enjoy snow skiing, I'm not going to make fun of you. Okay, yeah. Like, hands will always do this, and when I promise you I'm not going to make fun of you, hands will always go up. So for those of you that raise your hand, let me make fun of you for just a second. I'm just kidding. Um, I, I enjoy the um, watching people snow ski. I enjoy going to the ski lodge. I enjoy sitting by the fire and sipping some hot chocolate. I enjoy um, all the stuff associated with it, but I don't snow ski. And it's not because I haven't tried, and it's not because I haven't been. It's actually because I have been that I don't. And my first experience, isn't that first experience always the thing that either, either makes it or breaks it? My first experience, I was eight years old, and my dad and my uncle were sitting at the kitchen table, and they had had a beer 12, and they were talking about the need for me to learn how to snow ski because in the upstate of South Carolina, it snows so much that we all need to learn how to snow ski for survival. For those of you that are northern transplants, it snows here once every five years, and we freak out. It's amazing. So so we we drove to Gatlinburg, and um, we went to this—night well, skiing, evidently, is is cheaper, and it's also— The best time to learn how to ski because the mountain is froze solid. It's just a sheet of ice. So if you fall, you at least slide at least three feet before you get back up. So we got up there, and they asked, did I want a lesson? And I didn't know, so my dad signs me up for the lesson. And in the lesson, basically for 30 minutes, they teach you how to fall and how to slow down. And I knew how to fall. But slowing down, they teach you this thing. Now, I'm not trying to start a fight. I'm just telling you, it don't work. It's, they called it, my teacher called it the V wedge. And you take this foot and do it like this, and you take this foot and do it like this, and you kind of bend your knees a little bit, and it's supposed to slow you down. Now, that works if you're going slow. But you can't make this stuff up. My dad pulled me to the side, and <laughs> he had drank so much, I'm pretty sure I got a hangover just off his breath. And he said, son, let me tell you, everything you need to know, about skiing." We're at the top of this hill. He said, Point your skis down the mountain and go. Now, if you've ever been skiing, see, there's some people like, What? Try it sometime and let me know how it goes. Put it, put it on, it'll be on YouTube. You don't have to worry about putting it on YouTube. Somebody will put it on YouTube for you. So I get at the top of this mountain. You got to imagine, I'm eight years old. I'm going to do what my dad said. And I push and I'm going straight down this mountain. At the bottom of the mountain, I'm going 487 miles an hour. I mean, I am flying. And My uncle's yelling, do the V wedge. So I did the V thing and my skis crossed and I started to go like head over heels right into this big crowd of people. Now, at that point, I'm done. I'm over. But my dad is like, get up, boy. So I was like, yes, sir. So I got, I go to the top of the mountain again and no, yeah, uh uh-oh, right. Like I'm, I'm so, I'm so stupid. I got to do it a second time. So I get my skis, I point straight down the mountain, and I'm going. I'm about halfway down the mountain, Mach two, and this was this was my thinking. I want to do one of those turn things because I've seen people on TV, seen people all over the mountain. You know how people make skiing look so easy? They're like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. I just want to stick them with my pole. When I say so, anyway, I that was dark. Anyway, so i I just was like, what if I did just one of those turn things? Now, one of those turn things are awesome. When you're not like going Mach 2, but when you try to turn like this and you're going fast, what happens? You flip over. I did gymnastics, and I've never even taken gymnastics. I'm flipping over and over and over. Lost my skis, lost poles, um, probably lost my salvation, like lost everything. And I'm laying in the snow, and I cannot move. Like I am, I'm, I'm hurt, like I'm numb. I think I had a concussion. I wasn't sure. I, I, I couldn't move. And I prayed. I, I did because I went to like a Christian school. And my mom took me to church all the time. And if you have a problem, you just pray to God. So I was like, God, get me off of this ski slope. You know, he didn't leave, you know, He just left me there. He could have. He could have came down, sent some angels. They could have flown me off. It would have been great. But I'm laying there going, God, my, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I'm just laying there. Now, honestly, I don't know how long I laid there. As to an eight-year-old, it seemed like I laid there for an hour. I probably laid there like a few minutes. Next thing I know, two guys walk up to me. I've never seen these men before in my life. I've never seen them since. And they asked me, are you okay? And I just, I, I shook my head no, because I couldn't really kind of formulate a thought. And they said, can you walk? And I, I shook my head no. Now, They did not give me a lecture on how to ski. They didn't yell at me about how idiotic I had been to try. What They didn't give me a book on learning how to ski better. Has anybody ever done that to you? They give you a book that, hey, I read this, and I think you should read it. it's like, how not to suck at life. And, oh, thank you very much for that. Are you dropping me a hint? No, one of them grabbed one arm. One of them grabbed another. And they literally carried me off that ski slope. And it was that story I've never forgotten that moment because it brings me back to this principle that I want to teach today in our series called The Table. And if you don't get anything I say today, I want you to walk away with this, that we is greater than me. That we is greater than me. That if we're going to make it through life, we really do need the help of Jesus and others. I know people that go, all I need is Jesus. That is the biggest spiritual cop-out I've ever heard in my life. Because even Jesus needed people around him in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was arrested. And I've had people go, I need others. I don't need Jesus. When we discount Jesus, we discount the supernatural taking place in our life in ways that we could never even imagine. So when it comes to really being successful in life and taking spiritual steps forward, we is greater than me. And one of the reasons we created this church is so that everyone who walks in these doors or who joins us online will understand you're not alone in the fire that you happen to be going through. I love what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 32, verse 30. How could one person chase a 1,000?
1: Now think about that. One person chasing a 1,000 people. That's pretty powerful. So, if you just do
0: simple math, if one could chase a 1,000, then two should be able to chase 2,000. But that's not what God says. God says, how could one person chase a 1,000 of them or two people put 10,000 to flight? So, one can chase 1,000. Two, our potential increases exponentially. And so, with that, I want to visit a story that if you're from a church background, you've probably heard this story. And if you're not from a church background, there's a really good shot you've heard this story. It's about three guys in the Bible. They're pretty popular. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and yeah, some of y'all heard the story. Now, we first meet them in the book of Daniel, chapter one, and the nation of Israel had kind of been in revolt and rebellion against Babylon. And Babylon, when they invaded a country, they would come in and they would take some of the the brightest and smartest people. It'd kind of be like going into a college and taking the top five to ten percent of, of people in, in the academic world. They would take the best and the brightest, and they would ship them off to Babylon, re-educate them, and actually give them a government job. They would be on staff because they wanted the best and the brightest people, the greatest minds thinking in that direction. So that's how we meet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When Israel fell, um, when Jerusalem fell, they were captured and taken into captivity. And they went through some pretty tough times. In Daniel chapter one, in Daniel chapter two, we see Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and a guy named Daniel go through some pretty tough times. But in Daniel chapter three is where, is where stuff gets real. Because they worked for a king named Nebuchadnezzar who was kind of like an egomaniac. And he built this, he built an idol 90 feet tall and nine feet wide of solid gold. Like, like a statue of himself. Like I've heard people that take selfies are arrogant. No. People that build statues 90 feet tall and nine feet wide, solid gold. That's, that's a big deal. By the way, just for the Bible geeks in the room or online, the measurements for the temple that was destroyed in Jerusalem was 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. So he's basically setting himself up as God. So he builds, this te- he builds this idol, 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, and then he said, we're going to have a concert, which, man, I love a good concert. I, love- I don't love concerts as much as my boy Dave. we got a guy that um, volunteers here. He's the leader of our greeting team. His name is Dave. I think this morning he said he's been to 460-something concerts. Yeah, he went to see the Marshall Tucker Band last night. I'm like, did, were they able to walk on stage or did they go oxygen mask thing? I don't know. But I used to love going to concerts because back in the 80s when I first started going to concerts, like I, I, didn't, I, I didn't smoke, but you stopped by a convenience store and you bought a cigarette lighter, right? Because at some point, the band was going to sing the song and what would you do? You'd raise your lighter, right? And there'd be a lady in front of you and she had two cans of white rain and then her hair was a pom-pom and you set it on fire. Kind of get there on purpose, but now it's safe, right? We use our cell phone, right? And everything's safe. So so I love concerts, and I love going to concerts. And this was Nebuchadnezzar said, when we get this idol built, we're going to have a concert. But when the music starts, everybody has to bow down to the idol. Now, for me, I'm like, I'm out. Bowing down is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then he threw this caveat in. If you don't bow down, you're going to be thrown into a blazing furnace and you're going to burn alive. Okay, well. So so to the ancient Babylonians, this wasn't a big deal. Like to us, we'd be like, I don't know, that's just the wrong thing to do. But Babylonians will bow down to gods all the time. It was very common in their practice. But to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this was a big deal. Because not only was the idol made in the exact dimensions of the temple that was destroyed, but they were told over and over in the Torah, in the Hebrew Scriptures, the first five books of the Bible, to not bow down to idols. That you should not have any other gods before you. So for them to do this would be clearly the wrong thing to do. And so they had to make a decision. Are we going to blend in? Or are we going to stand out? And sure enough, the music played and everybody bowed except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, this is what's cool. This is what's cool. They didn't go crazy. They didn't start... The boycott against bowing. My God, if a group of Christians boycott one more thing, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all, anytime Christians say they boycott something, I go buy it. I just do it on purpose. I just go buy it. Whatever. We're boycotting this. I'll take two. Thank you very much. Did you know that nobody ever got the, the world? That, for God so loved the world that he sent a boycott. No, he sent his son, Jesus, to actually give his life up, not to protest all the stupid... Anyway, sorry. Sorry. They didn't yell at people for being idiots for bowing. They simply did the right thing. And did you know that sometimes when you do the right thing, you don't have to talk about it, you don't have to brag about it, you just stand out. Sometimes we have to do the right thing when everybody else is just kind of going along and we know, you know what, everybody else is doing this, but this is the right thing to do, and at the end of the day, I'm going to do the right thing thing but notice shadrach meshach and abednego stood together they were unified in this and this is where it gets interesting because daniel tells us then nebuchadnezzar when he found out they didn't bow flew into a rage pause how many of you know that you're going to make a stupid decision as soon as you fly into a rage how many how many know that how many know that about the person you're sitting next to i'm just okay yeah 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 it's just telling on them I have never made a smart decision when I lost my temper. I never, and as parents, we say stupid things to our kids when we lose our temper, don't we? Cut your leg off of that arm more. Don't come running to me. Okay, we we'll have a leg. But he gets furious with rage. And then he says this, in order that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him, when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true? Like, he's kind of shocked by this. And, and here's the reason why. Nebuchadnezzar had a relationship with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were kind of like on his staff. We we see in Daniel chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 2, they were not strangers, that they knew each other. This is very important. This wasn't the first time they ever met. Like they knew each other very well. And he said, is it it true? In other words, I can't believe this. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or, or to worship the gold statue? That I have set up, I will give you one more chance. I love the name of our church, Second Chance. Because I believe in in second chances. And I believe that we have a God of second chances. But you know the devil will give you another chance. You know he'll give you another chance. Isn't it crazy? Isn't it funny how sometimes you think you got a temptation beat? And two days later, you're facing the same thing. Anybody ever struggle with this other than me? I'm victorious. And two days later, you're like, crap, I did it again. It's that pressure thing, though. It's that pressure thing that the enemy wants to put on us. He said, um, I, I'm going to give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made. When you hear the sound of the musical instruments, but, but if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to save, to be able to rescue you from my power? Because he knew they were Jewish. He knew they believed in, in God, the same God that we believe in. He knew that, so he's kind of picking a fight with God, so it's not going to go well for him. But, but nobody knows this at, the, at this point in the story. They hadn't read Daniel chapter 3. And, and, and so he's putting on them pressure. Now At the end of the day, when we choose to do the right thing, when we choose to stand out and not blend in, the enemy is going to apply pressure to our lives. And we don't make it through that without the help of God or without the help of others. This, this summer, I was on the phone with a friend of mine, and um, we were having a, just a casual conversation. Her and her husband and her two kids and their crazy dog were coming back off vacation, and it was um you yeah, remember this past summer where it was like 98 99 100 degrees every day 100% humidity like you're just sweating all the time it's just like ugh. so um, i'm talking to them or i'm talking to her she's talking to me and i'm telling you the conversation was completely normal until she literally let loose on a string of profanity that would have i mean it, it would have made the devil blush i mean i was like what the uh, uh, <laughs> by the way these are my people these are my people. Um, she wasn't quoting Bible verses. I mean, she, I mean, I was like, uh, and so I automatically started apologizing because normally when stuff like that happens, it's my fault. At least I feel like I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What I do, what I do. And she's like, no, 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 no. She said, we've got a flat tire. They were going down the interstate like 75, 80 miles an hour. Tire blows. So some of you now, now you don't have to judge her as much because you would cuss too, right? And so. She, she pulls over to the side of the road, and I'm like, what do I do? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, I'll pray. And I, I, mean, I did. I prayed, but it's not like Jesus went and changed her tire for her, right? Jesus, take the
1: wheel.
0: Like, that didn't happen. Just felt the spirit of Carrie Underwood. Just kind of over me there for a second. So, so um, I told her, I was like, well, keep me posted. Hung up. Ten minutes later, she calls me back and says, everything's good? I was like, did you pull into like a NASCAR pit crew? Like, sh- <laughs> okay, you're done. She's like, no. She said, she said, we were like, we were angry and confused, didn't know what to do, and the dog's going crazy, and the kids are upset, and the car's not running, and we had to change the tire. And so, all of a sudden, somebody from the Georgia Highway Patrol like pulled up behind us, and they had a truck behind them. In that truck, they had a jack, they had somebody, and they, they literally changed our tire for us and got us back on the road. And it was just a reminder to me that sometimes we feel like everything's going along great in life and all of a sudden we blow the tire and we're over on the side of the road and we don't know what to do. And it's the help of Jesus and it's the help of others
1: that gets us through that situation. We've got to make the decision. Who are our table people?
0: This is why I say this, because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego Knew this was coming. Keep keep this in mind. They worked for the king. They were on staff with the government. You can't hide the fact that you're building a statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. What is that? Nothing to see here. Keep moving. Keep moving. They knew the king's intention was when the statue was built to have everybody bow down. I don't know this for a fact, but I can almost imagine a conversation
1: between Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego around a table. And them locking eyes with each other. And going, "Guys, we're going to do the right thing. I'm going to support you. I'm going to support you. You're going to support me. We're going to stand together. Even if we get thrown in the furnace, we're going to go in there together. That's a difference maker in life. Who are your table people? Who are the people that you have around your table? The ones that aren't judging you,
0: I've had people go. I got lots of. I got lots of table people. Really, let all hell break loose in your life. You'll find
1: out who your table people are. So you got people at your table that say, "I love you," but I love you if. But a true table person, says, "I love you." Period. That's
0: what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. Guys, I love you if we don't have to go through this fire.
1: I love you, but we're going to have to bow. Mm -mm. Table people make the difference when we go through our trials. Because with table people, with the help of Jesus,
0: with the help of people, we can literally overcome anything this world throws at us. But we will never do it alone. I believe that conversation happened because they had their mind made up before they went into the situation. So, their answer to the king Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, "Oh Nebuchadnezzar, I love this. I love this. Don't miss this. They get. I, I think. I think they're getting kind of excited here. We do not need to defend ourselves before you. Pause. I love that. How many of you know that when it comes to." your life, that you don't have to defend yourself, that you have a God who's fighting for you, who loves you, who says no weapon formed against you will prosper, that God will defend you. He's fought battles for us that we're not even aware of that he fought. I'm so glad I've got a God that will fight for me and not fight me, aren't you? Can somebody say amen with me today? I love that. You know, what it gets better, he said this. He said, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to, to save us. How many of you know you have a God who's able to save you? He's able to save us from depression and anxiety and worry and disease. and He's able to rescue us from anything that we go through. And I, that absolutely pumps me up. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. And at this point, you're like, yeah, give it to him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Tell him like it
1: is. But then it gets real because he says this but even if he doesn't. See, not a lot of amens there. God will fight for us, yes! God will save us, yes! God will deliver us, yes! He might not. Mm. See, they, they face the possibility. Hey, we know God can move, we know God can work, we know God can do this. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we, even if he doesn't, we, we, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your
0: gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. This is, you're kind of looking at this going, this is not good theology. Even if he doesn't, because we've been told if you do the right things, that, that he'll move. Like if you do the right things, he'll save you. But this is what I've discovered. We live in a world where bad things really do happen to good people. It, it, I remember thinking when my mom got cancer, I'm just gonna be incredibly transparent with you. When I was 11 years old, my mom was a good woman who loved Jesus and went to church, and she got cancer. And I remember thinking, God, there are some sucky people you
1: could have given cancer to other than my mom. Why do bad things happen to good people? Every once in a while, you meet somebody that's so
0: heavenly-minded, they're, 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 no, they're no earthly good, and they go, there are truly no bad things, and there are no good people. I'm like, yeah, you suck. You, you are, yeah, and there are bad things that happen to good people. And there's some people in this room that you're going through something that maybe you never saw yourself going through or you feel like you're in the middle of a fire that you never saw coming. And maybe you believe it's because you're a bad person or you're a horrible person, but maybe that's not the case at all. Let me ask you this question. How would we know that God is a healer if we didn't get put in situations where we actually needed to be healed. How would we know that God is a provider if we weren't put in situations that we didn't know that God was a provider? How would we know that God is able to save if we weren't put in situations that we needed to actually be saved from? So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are saying, listen, we know that God can, and we know that God is able, but even if he doesn't, we're not gonna bow. That's what table people do. They stay together. See, when it comes to people in your life, it's not what they say or if they pray. It's whether or not they stay. I'll say it again. It's not what they say or if they pray, but whether or not they stay. Yeah, because I've had people say, have you ever had somebody say, I got your back, and it's only to see where they could put the knife so you couldn't get it out? All right, have you ever had somebody say they'll pray for you? You know what? I know people that'll pray for you but won't talk to you. You ever met that person? I'm praying for you. You see them in public, and they, they treat you like a leper? Unclean, right? But table people will
1: stand with you even when you go to the fire. And you don't forget table people. You don't forget them.
0: Now, at this part in the story, this is where you expect, because they said the right things for God to just move and rescue them, right? But Scripture says Nebuchadnezzar was so furious, I love this, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that his face became distorted with rage. You ever seen that person usually in traffic or in Walmart? That's how I get when I go to Walmart. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. See, this is this is what I this is what I've got to understand. This is what we've got to understand. Sometimes we do the right thing and then what we step into it's not as bad as we thought it was going to be. It's actually worse. How many of you know that sometimes when you do the right thing, things actually get seven times hotter? They don't get better. It seems to get worse. And that we wind up scratching our head going, what in the world is happening here? And what did I do wrong? Because I thought if I lived for Jesus, everything would go great. But here these guys are living for Jesus, and it got seven times hotter. And watch this. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. He sent some of his strongest men to bind them up, to bind them, to bind them, to bind them. Do you know that the devil will send some of his strongest demons in hell to bind you, to discourage you, to beat you down? And here's why. Because he knows that if he can get you to break down, You won't experience the breakthrough. And the reason some of you feel like you're on the verge of a breakdown is because God's about to bring a breakthrough in your life that you could never think of or imagine. So don't give in to the breakdown. Hold on for the breakthrough.
1: Why would the devil be attacking you so diligently if you weren't a threat to him?
0: I got convicted this week, and I actually wrote this thought down. God help me to not allow the devil to see more potential in my life than I see in my life.
1: I hope you don't let the devil see more potential in you than you see in you. You are alive
0: and you are breathing. You are on this planet because God loves you and has a plan for your life that's greater than you could ever imagine. And if you're going through the fire, it's not because you're bad. It's because he wants you to see something that without the fire, you would have never seen to begin with. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Some of y'all are like, this is good. No, it's just the Bible. It's just, I just love the Bible. It's just good stuff. So they tied them up. They tied them up and threw them into the furnace. And I'm thinking, like, why you gotta tie somebody up to throw them into the fire? What are they gonna do? But it's bad, right? Tied them up in the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king and his anger had demanded such a high fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach,
1: and Abednego, watch this, securely tied. Not just tied, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Now. I'm going to go ahead and tell you on the my day sucks scale, that's a 10. That's a 10. Can we agree? They not I mean,
0: getting thrown into a furnace is bad. But you're going to get tied up securely tied securely tied. That means they tied it tight. Now, the reason I'm making a big deal out of securely securely tied is cuz I I got to show you something that it took me years to see. So they got, thrown into the, they got thrown into the furnace, and they were securely tied. Some of you are like, you, you got your point across. You got your point across. But watch this. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them in the furnace? I don't know if they had like a jumbotron. I don't know how he's watching this thing, but he's watching this thing. Didn't we tie up three men? Yes, Your Majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four
1: men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a God. And the reason he looked like a God is because he's the Son of God. Don't miss this
0: Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Did not see Jesus until they got in the fire. Sometimes we don't see his presence until we step into the fire. Now, a couple points to make here. They went into the fire, and the Bible says they were, remember, I made kind of a big deal out of it, they
1: were securely tied. Right here, it said they're unbound. What the enemy put on them, Jesus took off of them with the thing that
0: was meant to destroy them. Oh my God, I didn't say that all morning. That, that, what the enemy put on them, Jesus took off of them with the very thing that the enemy was going to use to destroy them. See, that really does prove that he takes graves and turns them into gardens He can take ruins and turn them back into life. They they were thrown into the fire, bound, but right here they're unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed. Let me ask you a question. Do you think when they're in the fire with Jesus, do you think they had peace, yes or no? Yes. Do you think they had joy, yes or no? Yes. Do you think they had hope, yes or no? Yes, absolutely. They had peace, they had joy, and they had hope, but they didn't receive those things until they got in the fire, and when they got in the fire, they saw Jesus in a way they would have never seen him had they not gone through the fire that they had to go through. And for those of you that feel like you're in the fire, all I will tell you is this, open your eyes, look around, because you're getting ready to see him in ways you've never
1: seen him or experienced him before. He always shows up in the fire. I love this.
0: Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, service of the Most High God, come out, come here. This is like southern Babylon. So, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Now, wait a minute. Now, hold on. let's just do some math here. He threw three men into the fire. Now, how many did he see walking around in the fire? Four, but
1: how many came out? Where's Jesus? Still on the fire. Is Jesus still on the fire waiting on us? When we go through the fire, he's just as present with us
0: as he was with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego because Hebrews 13.8 says he's the same yesterday and today and forever. He never changes and he never abandons us in the fire. I love this. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around him and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed. How big of a miracle is that? Ladies, have you ever burnt your hair with like a curling iron or a straightener? Right? That, does it smell? But but they, it says right here that their hair, their hair wasn't even. And then I love this. Um, they didn't even smell of smoke. Y'all remember when you used to go to restaurants and they used to have the smoking section and the non-smoking section? It is kind of like going to a pool. Would you like the peeing or the non-peeing section? Like it all flows together. It's not like you can stop it. So they put you at the table right next to the smoking section and, and you just feel, I, I know when I smoke a cigar, I just smell like some cigar smoke everywhere I go. And, but the Bible says in this passage, their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. here's what I got out of this. You're not even going to look like what the enemy wanted you to look like when you went through the fire. You're not even going to smell like what the enemy wanted you to smell like. What the enemy tried to put on you is going to be burned off of you when you walk through the fire with Jesus and others because that's who he is and that's what he does. I love this. I love this. They didn't even smell like smoke. Their Their hair wasn't burned. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's commands and were willing to die. They defied. They defied. They together. Three. They defied the king's commands and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They will be torn from limb to limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this Then look, Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. What the enemy meant for pain, God used for promotion. What the enemy meant for pain, God used for promotion. And at the end of the day, he's going to bring you out. I'm not saying he won't, he won't go through the fire. I'm telling somebody in this room, you're getting ready to come out. You're getting ready to come out. And you're not going to look the same way you looked when you went in because when you went into the fire, you were bound. You're going to come out unbound. You're going to come out unharmed. You're going to come out walking with your head held high in victory, knowing that God can and will deliver us in his time, not in our time, because he is good and he is God. There are some people in this room that, you know what? even if he doesn't. I'm going to ask God to heal me, but even if he doesn't, I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to ask God to take me away from this situation, but even if he doesn't, I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to ask God to take this away from me, but even if he doesn't, I'm going to keep walking because I know I've got the help of Jesus and I know I've got the help of other people to stand with me. That's, that's when we have faith, God, I, I'm going to stand for you, but even if he doesn't, I'm going to keep walking. Nothing can stop me. Nothing can slow me down because i got the help of Jesus. And I've got the help of other
1: people. And I know, I know my Redeemer lives. Even if he doesn't, I will. Even if he doesn't.